All right, Howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email howlerpod at gmail.com. Go to howlerpod.com and rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only... We will shoot you in the face. And now, Howler Pod. Oh, Oh, God's brooding again. Some things never change. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod. The one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been alone all day. <laughs> I'm your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. Aaron, what are we doing today? Dark Age. Part four, chapter 78 to 86. This is our penultimate episode. That means second to last. Sure does. <laughs> <laughs> Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully that shit all suits. Part four, Pride. Chapter 78, Lysander, a visitor. Lysander is ready to enact his plan. Glorastes left him a gift in his room. It's the Horn of Helios, which summons legions, plus a pair of grab boots, a razor, and some military hardware. As he's looking at his equipment, a servant comes to his door and says he has a visitor. It's Alexander and Rona. Lysander rushes to meet them in the library. Alex and Rona want to take a tour of the Lady Beatrice before they leave Mercury. Lysander has no choice but to concede to the tour. Chapter 79, Darrow. Bad blood. And baby, now we got bad blood. And we used to be mad. I couldn't not. <laughs> I couldn't not. <laughs> Darrow and Screwface watch Atlas through the one-way glass. He's creepy, and he watches them as if he can see them. I wonder if he has the mind's eye. Fear says a poem in Latin, alluding to Darrow's imminent demise. Darrow leaves, but feels like he's missing something. He goes back through the surveillance tapes of Cato's daily activities to try and put his mind at ease. He hears Cato say something in his sleep. Sounds like truth over all. Darrow's heard that before. He rushes to the science team and has them run Cato's DNA against the bloody robes of Octavia. The DNA is related. Oh, shit. Darrow sets the howlers in motion and calls Alex and Rona's private comms, saying, don't react, but Cato is Lysander Alloon. Wait for us. Do not engage. Chapter 80, Lysander, heir of Arcos. Lysander is on the tour of the grounds with Pup 1 and Pup 2. He doesn't have time for this shit. Florastes is already in motion and there's no way to contact him. Lysander notices that something has changed. Alex has stopped gumming his new teeth, and Rona has stopped playing with her sidearm holster. Lysander grabs Rona, shatters her jaw, and pulls her gun to her head. 
Just as Alex stops his razor a centimeter from Lysander's eye, he retracts the razor and Lysander lets Rona fall to the floor, pointing the gun at Alex. Alex challenges him to a duel, but in the absence of time, Lysander decides to pull the trigger instead. What a pixie asshole. <sighs> I hate this motherfucker. That was not a good chapter for me. Uh, I had a real hard time with it this time. It was just, worse this time. It really was. Because I knew it was going to happen. And it was just like, this is such a waste. Okay, ah! we'll, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Chapter 81, Darrow, Dark Age. That's the title of the book. What? What? <laughs> Darrow and the Howlers descend on the Lady Beatrice. They find Alex's body. Half of his head has been blown off. Is he dead, though? He is dead. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> he is dead. Rona limps out and falls on her knees in Alex's blood. She screams. A howler drags her away to the Morning Star to safety, quote unquote safety. Darrow, Thraxa, Screwface, and the rest of the howlers chase after Loon. They're all on grav boots. They bank in and out of buildings, shooting at each other, shooting up staircases. Definitely street warfare here. Missiles shoot towards Lysander and he detaches his boots. The missiles carry on toward the grav boots, and Lysander falls barefoot into the central pool of the water gardens. Darrow and the Howlers all shoot past him, and by the time they bank around, the EMP that Glorastes made detonates, and everyone and everything falls from the sky. Chapter 82, Lysander, this summons legions. Lysander swims to the edge of the pool he landed in and dodges a bunch of falling debris as he makes his way to the Hippodrome. Alexander fucked up his timing, but otherwise things seem to be going pretty well. The Loyalists are breaking out all of the prisoners, including his own Praetorians. Uh, Lysander enters the Hippodrome where the Loyalists are waiting for him. They suit him up in some armor and he mounts Blood of Empire, Cicero Avotum's massive Sunblood Stallion. He gallops out to the middle of the Hippodrome and sees a ragged band of men jogging up with Roan and Kalindora leading them. He gives a speech to the Praetorians and they get all pumped up about being equestrians and shit. Next, he blows the horn of Helios and a whole herd of Sunblood stampedes out of the stable. They all get to be equestrians now. Yay. Kalindora is shocked by the sudden appearance of Lysander thinking he was dead in the desert. So they have a little conversation. Lysander impresses her and she's like, okay, I'm in. Let's do this war shit. Of course she's in. She's there. <laughs> What's her plan? <laughs> Chapter 83, Darrow. Hazard Bedlam. <laughs> I've never heard that word before. <laughs> bedlam. It does get used about 18 times in three chapters. Every time I hear it, I'm like, Bedlam, Bedlam. <laughs> you know, like red rum. Get it? <laughs> Darrow lies on the ground, trapped in his now powerless armor. Citizens of Heliopolis pile on top of him, each trying to break through his armor to get the man inside. They're trying to kill him. His armor is too strong for them, though, so they decide to try and dump a huge statue on top of him. Just as they are about to push it over, some local reds rush in to help Darrow. They knock part of the group off balance, and that is all the opening Darrow needs. He powers forward despite his depowered armor, and he kills everybody. <laughs> Just kills them all. Twitching meat carpet. Twitching meat carpet <laughs> is the best. <laughs> I'm going to get a tattoo on my face that says twitching meat carpet, because that's what I am. That's how hardcore you are as a howler. I'm so hardcore. <laughs> I'm going to do it on my eyelids. 
<laughs> like Seffy. He tells the group of reds that helped him to find his razor. They rush to the rooftops where it landed and they bring it back to him. Daryl runs through the city looking for the rest of his howlers. He finds Thraxa, who is also stuck inside her armor, and she's been set on fire. Why not? And the fire destroys her oxygen, and they have to bring her back to life. Some ripwing pilots put out the blaze. I just said all that. Mm-hmm. Some ripwing pilots put out the blaze, and Daryl performs mouth to mouth until she gasps for air, and she's back to life. They hop up. And then they find the rest of the Howlers and Screwface who have gathered in a plaza. Darrow tells them that the EMP likely knocked out Atalantia's nearby ships. And while she's down, Lysander's going to go for glory for himself because he's a dick and he's going to try to take the city. Darrow lays out his battle plan, Hazard Bedlam. (laughs) They will hold the water plaza in order to give the rest of their army time to escape into the mountains. He knows Lysander will be coming down the Via Triumphia because, as previously stated, that pixie bitch wants glory. <laughs> he has Screwface take command of the flank while he and Thraxa will hold the Via Triumphia. With cries of, Hail Libertas! Hail Reaper! His army runs to their positions. Chapter 84, Darrow. Meat straw. Isn't that from Morningstar? Um... I don't know, but it's twitching meat carpet straight into meat straw <laughs> so you can suck your meat carpet up through your meat straw. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's that you say that in Morningstar when they're talking about the hallway fighting in uh, Roke's ship. Oh, yeah. Where it's like you're getting shot from both sides or something. I don't know. The Morningstar, which was previously known as Roke's ship. Colossus. Uh, yeah. Fuck Roke, right? Mm-hmm. Fuck Roke. <laughs> Anyway, Mitra, Darrow's legions gather on the Via Triumphia, awaiting Lysander's charge. He sets his defenses and realizes this is the place they will have to hold and make their last stand, meaning to buy their army time to escape into the mountains. We just kind of said that. Darrow sends three red snipers that seem to be people we may know. Possibly siblings. (laughs) And he sends Thraxa along with them up to the rooftops with the express purpose of taking out Lysander. Kill the pixie bitch! The snipers need to shoot him. If that doesn't work, then Thrax is going to jump down his head and crush it with we lass when Daryl gives her the signal. He lines up his troops and prepares them for the oncoming storm. Daryl's plan is to take his golds and obsidians with razors and armor and plant them in the middle of the Triumphia where he knows Lysander is coming. He wants the glory and they're all going to lay down just as the horses slam into them and stick the razors up, cutting the horses up through their armor and shit. I can't believe they're killing horses. <laughs> that seems like... Maybe they just like scratch the horses, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> he implores his troops to trust their armor and their razors. Lysander thunders toward them, just as Darrow suspected, and then just before he and his gold slam into the Republic soldiers, Darrow pulls his, his little hedgehog move the ho- horses thunder over the top of them, and Darrow's move works, kind of. Um, well, the horses, like, explode. Yeah. They've stopped the momentum of the cavalry charge, but the power, speed, and strength of their gold opponents is just too much for Darrow's low-color soldiers. They are pretty much getting ripped to pieces. It's time for the Reaper to start kicking ass and taking names. Darrow steadies himself as the dread monster rises in his belly. Laughter spews from between his teeth. Reefer is here, bitches. Daryl screams for the Republic and enters the fray. 
Yeah, blood red. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Chapter 85, Lysander, Loon Invictus. Lysander is ripping up low colors on the Via Triumphia from atop blood of empire, the giant sunblood stallion. But these low colors won't give up. They are willing to sacrifice everything to turn back the gold tide. Unfortunately for them, the golds are just too strong for them. Lysander is looking for Darrow and finally spots him coming across the battlefield like a tiger in long grass. Darrow disappears just as Lysander sees him, and then a cry comes from his soldiers. Red rain! Reds start dropping from the rooftop onto Lysander, Kalandora, and the Praetorians. And someone else drops down, too. It's fucking Thraxa Atelamanis. She's coming for Lysander, and he is not prepared for this smoke. Thraxa smashes him with her hammer, and he flies into a building. Thraxa pursues, but Lysander gets all tricky, as Lysander tends to do with his little tricky mind tricks. He evades her, he runs upstairs, then jumps out a window. Thraxa follows, but is shot by Roan multiple times as she flies down. She's still swinging that hammer, though, and Lysander is still running like a little bitch. <laughs> she teeters from the gunshots, and Lysander attempts to thrust his razor into her heart. Thraxa manages to catch it and divert it into her gut instead. Totally chill. Just put it over here in my gut. No big deal. She then proceeds to grab the razor and reel it towards her, pulling Lysander in like with a rope. She lunges at him, but a horse runs by and hits them both, and she gets knocked down and pulled away by two reds that are on her team. Now it's Darrow's turn. He bulldozes towards Lysander, but Kalandora tries to run him over with her horse. Darrow dodges the horse and grabs it with his razor whip and proceeds to savage the shit out of Kalandora, <laughs> leaving her for dead as he turns back to Lysander. Just then, Lysander's infantry shows up and the Republic troops break and run. Darrow must retreat. He grabs a horse and he takes off. Darrow goes to check on Kalandora and she is super fucked up. I bet she's going to die. <laughs> He's like, she's going to die. She's going to die. <laughs> he decides to leave her and go after Darrow. He grabs Blood of Empire, the big Sunblood Stallion, the biggest of the biggest horses, and he runs after Darrow, screaming, Slave! Not cool, bro. Yeah, just not, not cool. cool Darrow turns, and he accepts the challenge. They ride towards each other like jousting. <laughs> Super medieval. <laughs> the razors are at the ready instead of the jousts, which hurt probably way more yeah, and way sharper. Uh, Lysander is being tricky, though. He's got a second razor hidden, and he's riding with his knees. You know. What's that song where you ride your bicycle with your knees? I have no idea what you're talking about. Tight. <laughs> Anyways, Lysander anticipates Darrow's move, and he hucks his razor through his chest, the hidden one, just before they meet. They slam their other razors together and pretty much break both of their arms and their razors. It's pretty much a huge show of brute strength, and Lysander gets Darrow through the chest. Lysander is knocked off his horse, but somehow Darrow stays on his, with a razor through his chest, and he rides off. Lysander stands up, and he picks up the broken razor of Darrow as his army advances around him. Whew. Okay, chapter 86, Darrow, Legion's End. Darrow rides back to his army's rally point, The Mound. With one of Lysander's razors sticking out of his chest, he barely makes it. He can't breathe. The pain is tremendous. 
As he arrives, he sees Thraxa, who is in worse shape than he is. Screwface then gets pulled in. He's missing half his leg. The whole army is retreating, and Atalantia's troops are starting to close in. They're coming down now with their ships. Um, Harnassus is trying to organize the troops, but there's no point. Everybody's fucked. Daryl starts to realize it's over, but he thinks he hears a ship, and he climbs to the top of the tower in the mound. Harnassus follows, and they have a heart-to-heart conversation. It's pretty nice. They're like, we're buddies again. Uh, Daryl thanks him for being his conscience. Harnassus leaves him, and Daryl stands at the top of the tower, looking out upon the lost city, clutching the key that Pax gave him as he reflects on looking for hope in a world that seems to be devoid of it. He empties the canister of Mars soil that Dago gave him and wishes he could have seen Mars one more time. Just then, a gust of air comes from behind, and he hears a voice. It's fucking Cassius, and he's here to save the day. Brooding again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gods. Brooding again. Brooding again. Darrow, stop brooding, man. I could not be happier in this moment. Happiest moment of the entire book. When I was reading this on the reread, I, like, stood up off my couch thrust my fist in the air and then i said that line like 10 different times in <laughs> all different types of cassius <laughs> accents <laughs> oh god <laughs> let's hear one of them ben uh, no <laughs> <laughs> i was just like fucking finally something good I happened know. i Gosh. need something good to happen my life is just nothing right now <laughs> this is fucking coronavirus <laughs> i need cassius to come save my day yeah. yeah we need cassius to show up with a ship so we can just go hang out in space yeah much better than coronavirus and definitely right check your temperature before you get on cassius's <laughs> ship that's true hey ben Although i might be a little hot under the collar <laughs> getting in <laughs> ben why is your temperature 101 not coronavirus <laughs> Because I'm hot for Cassius, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, the theme for these chapters is... Reunions. It's reunions. Reunions. I'll be there for you. So we've got some characters coming back together here in these chapters. Obviously, we have pulled some quotes from today's chapters. And now we'll read those quotes and talk about them like we usually do. Let's do it. First quote, this is the reunion of some Arcos grandsons. Oh, yeah, cousins. Uh, The quote says, I point the gun at him and let Rona fall unconscious to the floor. Loon, he says, Arcos, I see Lauren gifted you the willow after all. Bold of you to say my grandfather's name after what Octavia did to him. You recall, yes, how she had Lilith Offeron saw through his spine from behind like this he slowly moves his blade back and forth all my life i was compared to you cousin lysander perfect lysander he looks me up and down you must be more than meets the eye put down the blade and get on your knees i say perish the thought he levels his blade at me how about you pull that big iron from your boot and we'll settle who's the heir of arcos cousins (laughs) am i right (laughs) (laughs) have you ever had to duel your cousin I, fun fact, do not have any cousins. Whoa, that's weird. Yeah. I have second cousins. I don't have any first cousins. 
Um, but no, I have not had to duel anyone in my entire life. So how about you, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have not had to duel either, but that's why I brought my razor here today. You and me? <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> it's not the only reunion that's going down. Okay, so here we see the heir of Selenius and the grandson of the most famous man ever, Lorne, mm-hmm. are face-to-face, and we have the chance of a lifetime to have a, a razor duel. I know. We were really just robbed here. Do you know who robbed us? Pyrrhus. No. <laughs> Pixie bitch Lysander. That's true. It wasn't Pierce's fault. <laughs> Don't put that on him. <laughs> so obviously this would have been a pretty epic battle. I don't know who would have won. I feel like Lysander still would have won with the mind's eye. He's so fucking smart and he's so fucking tricky. Very tricky. Um, do you, I kept thinking things like, okay, I bet Alex would have lived if Darrow hadn't called him. Yeah. That's one thing. He could have lived. What if um, Alex just puts the razor down? Yeah, what if Alex chooses to kneel down? I don't know. He still might have gotten shot, at least knocked out. Yeah, I think he was maybe a chokehold, maybe a cute, quick chokehold. <laughs> there were just a lot of paths that, especially knowing that this is coming, you, you start seeing all the paths. Like Lysander could have just left. And let Alex be suspicious because either way, he's still running from everyone. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So, he, I don't know. Alex dying just seems so pointless and sad and horrible. And I hate it every it's time. It's the one I have the hardest part for. We'll get to that more later, too. But uh, as far as reunions go, this is just a, a reunion of like two incredibly powerful. Talented, yeah, just like this is two of the most famous bloodlines in the entire solar system coming together. Well, they're related too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's uh, an incredibly powerful moment, and it's one that you think is going to end, and like you said, like this amazing duel, but it ends up being kind of a subversion of our expectations in that moment. When Lysander says no time and he shoots him in the head, it's just awful. You feel so robbed, especially when we just got Alex back. And he just got new teeth. It was just it's so tough. I'm just can't can't process it. Hey, the one thing though that does come from this is obviously Darrow um let Lysander live as a boy, entrusted him to Cassius. And now Darrow sees that what he gets for mercy is dead friends. And then again, uh, Darrow gives mercy to the Mercurian people and gives them anti-rads and gets what he gets for that. He gets them trying to kill him after he saved their lives. So this is just like, hey, when you give people mercy, they fucking try to kill you. (laughs) But that's what separates him from people like the Ash Lord and stuff like that. You know, it's like that idea that you do show mercy to your enemies and that you are a better person overall. You know, that's you're trying to make a better world. 
And so if you're trying to make a better world, you have to live by that moral compass. And it's like he spent this whole book like learning that, but then it all comes back to bite him in the end of the book. Um, I'm not sure exactly how he's going to react to that in book six. So I don't know if it just means... I don't think we're going to have... No more mercy. <laughs> yeah, I think he's learned his lesson as far as that goes, and he will continue to show mercy because he seems to have found his moral compass throughout this book. And then we'll kind of get into this later a little bit as well, but he also talks about at the very end how he's basically he's lost hope at that point. But he gets this one shimmering piece of hope at the very end and it's Cassius so well even before Cassius though he's holding Pax's key yeah and he's he's thinking of the meaning of all of this and he's thinking of Mustang and Pax and the bright moments and like he's thinking is it worth it you and know and he also has that great moment with Harnassus where he says like why are you doing all this you know like, Harnassus asks him why he does all of it and Gerald tells him he just has this image of like waking up and making breakfast for his family. <laughs> it's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> How about you just do that instead of all this? <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's go to our next quote. Okay, so another reunion that we have is Calendora with Lysander. So Calendora, um, last time they saw each other, remember, Lysander and her were limping through the desert. Lysander could barely walk. A big sandstorm came, and Calendora counted Lysander as dead, basically, and ran to safety and left him, thinking he got torn up by the sandstorm, and he hid in the hydro burrow. So, first of all, she's surprised to see that he's not dead by sandstorm or by hydra. And she says to him, What a hunger for blood you have acquired in the desert, she says. Did you survive the sandstorm just to die in these streets? If we wait for Atalantia, we will be at her mercy. Is that why you brought me the Praetorians? She does not reply. He will win whose army is animated by the same spirit throughout its ranks. The society needs victory, not a slaughter. Too long have the rabble had a monopoly on glory. Today we reclaim it. I would have the love knight at my side as we do. I extend the loyalist razor to her. With a growing smile, she reaches forward. So, Calendora clearly is like still thinking Atalantia will protect them all. Like, if we just wait for Atalantia, we can tell her what happened. We can tell her, you know, Ajax tried to kill you, whatever. She'll protect you. And Lysander's like, Nah, bitch, I need glory. I'm in charge. I'm the best, not Atalantia. Right, and when they're in the desert together, by the end of it, they had both pretty much lost their lust for war and any of it. They just kind of saw it as a very fruitless exercise. And then Lysander here, he's quoting some poetry back to her that they were talking about, and... Uh, he explained, you know, I am not the same as an Atalantia. It's time for new blood, and uh, we are going to claim this victory together. And then she's like, okay, oh, I can get on board with this. I can claim a victory. Yeah, I'm a fucking warlord <laughs> with one arm. <laughs> Remember, Lysandra has one eye. Kalandora has one arm. These are not full capacity <laughs> humans. Okay. 
They're dealing at half capacity. Anyways, Calendora also believes in the legend of Lysander, um, especially now that he's survived this sandstorm that she thought he died from. So even though she wants to protect him, she clearly is taking his survival as a sign and choosing to follow him into this battle for glory that he's going after. We learn we learn by the end of the book she's very dedicated to the Loon line, even though she did do some bad things, and we'll talk about those. Possibly killed on. his parents. <laughs> yeah. Um but she at this point feels so guilty about that. She's like oh, very I forgot we had like all of that still. I know, yeah. A lot happens next week. Yep. Um, she's still very dedicated to Lysander and wants to see him return the loon named Glory. Uh, so the next quote we have is a reunion of Darrow and Lysander on the Via Triumphia. Uh, the quote says, Then I see him amongst them, riding at the fore of the charge in white armor, the reins in one hand, a razor in the other, the boy whose grandmother I killed in front of him, the boy I spared for the sake of decency, the boy Aja trained and Cassius raised, who looked me in the eye and mocked me with lies before returning here like a demon to haunt those foolish enough to practice mercy. Frozen in time atop a monstrous steed, bald from radiation, face set not with vanity but grim determination, leaning forward in a saddle that flutters with ribbons of a hundred colors. He looks magnificent. Shut up, Jared. Do you have a crush on him or something? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> he looks magnificent with his bald radiation head and I one at, eyeball. I think at this point he's just realizing just like how fucked he is and how, how much Lysander has inspired the people of Heliopolis. And I love the part when they're chasing Lysander on the, the grab boot chase uh-huh. and the message comes up on all the boards and Daryl's like, I don't even need to listen. I know he's doing exactly what I did on Phobos back in the day. Yeah. Rallying everyone, everyone to rise up within the moon, but they're not rising up for their own freedom, which is so stupid. Yeah. I don't get these Heliopolis. I fucking hate Mercury. Get us <laughs> off of this godforsaken planet. It does suck. I don't understand why you'd want to be a slave. They just, they want like the order. They want, they like are more comfortable on their knees, like knowing what's expected of them. That's a good point. They suck. I hate Mercurians. Yeah, I'm not. Hey, if you're from Mercury and you're listening, you suck. (laughs) If I was taking a tour of the solar system, I'd probably skip them. Let's just skip Mercury. It's too close to the sun anyway. Well, I don't want to go towards the sun. I would want to go the opposite way. So I'm not going to Mercury anyways. (laughs) I guess the Raws really aren't that much cooler, but they're... The Raws are way cooler. No, I mean, they're way cooler, but they're not, like, cooler as in they're still <laughs> very much, like, you got to be a slave if you hang out yeah, here. Yeah, but they're cooler <laughs> in terms of temperature because they're further away from the sun. That's true. <laughs> Duh. Anyways, Darrow, quote-unquote, meets Lysander again mm-hmm. for the first time, knowing that he's Lysander. And um, clearly, Darrow is worried and also we know darrow doesn't like horses yeah so the first time we think about that the first time we meet mustang darrow's trying to ride a horse and he says in that moment that he's terrified of this fucking pony it's not even a real horse it's a fucking dumbass pony Mm -hmm. probably a mule 
And um, these sunbloods are twice as big as that pony. And yep. they're going to chop your head off with their teeth. <laughs> I mean, it's terrifying. <laughs> so not only is Darrow seeing Lysander, you know, shrouded in ribbons and glory, but he's also on a fucking huge-ass horse and Darrow's scared of horses. Yeah, sur- also surrounded by a bunch of golds and... Well, yeah. And all of the Heliopolitans yeah, who suck. It's problematic. I love when Darrow just stomps through them. He's like, all right, fuck you guys. <laughs> Ripping your heads off. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so that reunion, that's kind of the start of the reunion between Lysander and Darrow with Lysander charging down the Via Triumphia. And then it ends with Lysander chasing after Darrow. And the quote says, Reaper, he does not turn. Slave. Somehow, through the clatter of hooves, he hears me and wheels his horse around. Covered in gore, his sling blade held at his right side. He looks a devil atop the blood froth steed. Darrow brings his sling blade around to point at me. With a groaning howl, Darrow accepts my challenge. That's my groaning hell. It pisses me off so much that Lysander broke his razor. Or that he yelled slave at him. Or that he like said super racist. He got really racist in these chapters. Oh my God. When he's talking about Rona, I'm like, shut up. Like he fucking three different times. He's like, oh, her grubby hands <laughs> left fingerprints on the glass. What is going on here, Lysander? He's fucking spacist. He really is just a terrible space racist. We see his true colors. When he has all those <laughs> thoughts about, I see your true colors shine through. That just made me so mad. He says like three different things. He says well, especially about to her Rona, name and then and he's like, she's disgusting. She's yeah. showing her bolts. <laughs> it's like, chill out, man. Hey, she's got <laughs> bolts. Like you have one eye and you're bald. You fucking weirdo. Ugh. I do. N- this is this is the moment. Where I truly hate Lysander. Yeah. So everyone who thinks they like Lysander, have you finished this book? Give me a break. <laughs> he is such a bad person in these chapters. It's right here. This isn't what in wrestling they would call a heel turn. Oh. Heel is bad guy and as the bad guy in wrestling. And, and you're supposed to hate them. And so we are doing what we are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You're welcome, Pierce. That's what this is all generated to get our blood up and our blood roiled at uh, Lysander and just hate him. Yeah. So that and he achieves that magnificently within these like eight he chapters. He does. <laughs> he is truly the heel. <laughs> and I really am hoping in book six that Cassius gives him a fucking spanking, and by spanking I mean kills him. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know what's going to happen. Oh, Cassius and Lysander are definitely having a reunion. Speaking of reunions, and he's going to shut him down. That's true. He's going to be like, boy, you have done wrong. You've been a bad child. (laughs) Go to your room. That's what Cassius is going to say. And then our reunion of all reunions, I'll let you. (laughs) (laughs) Brody. Darrow says or thinks. I pry open my thigh pack and pull out a canister. I pour Dago Dango Dango. I pour Dago's Lycos soil into my hands. I would have liked to see home once more before the end. There is a gust of air behind me. 
Oh, God's brooding again. Something's never changed. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> a voice says, I turn to see a vision from the past. Cassius? Hello, Goodman. Kavex said you might need a hand. <laughs> he got real cockney at the end there. Kavax said. I like cockney and Cassius. <laughs> 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 oh God! Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Goodman. <laughs> I can't be a proper English woman. I'm from fucking Kansas, guys. We need a real British person to call in and actually do this voice, please. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of British people, no idea if Tim Gerard Reynolds is saying this right, but he says hooves, like Oops. horse. Hooves, <laughs> and they say the word hooves a lot in these chapters, and it was really giving me a hooves. Hooves. <laughs> He's like, I hear the hooves. <laughs> <laughs> we would say more like the hooves. <laughs> hooves. <laughs> I got some horse hooves over here. <laughs> Anyways, brooding again. Holy shit, guys! Holy shit! It's Cassius. What a special moment! Can you believe? Can you believe it's Cassius? <laughs> Do you know the minute I picked up this fucking book, I searched in my Kindle Cassius and this is what I found. The minute I got the really? book, I knew the entire time. I mean, I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know when or how, but yeah. Speaking of spoilers, I don't give a fuck. I needed to know <laughs> if Cassius was coming back or else. I don't know. I'd probably quit Hallerpod. And stop reading because why read if Cassius isn't coming back? <laughs> I love how he just like steals the entire book in two lines. The whole book. Yeah. <laughs> who like who is Mustang? <laughs> who is Ephraim? I don't care. Cassius is back. Let's party. And he's back with Darrow, which is just incredible. Boys Club. I know. Saturdays are for <laughs> Darrow and Cassius. <laughs> I'm so happy, and this is the only happiness that I have received the entire book and this entire week. Seriously. Yeah. The Alexander death is just such a low, low. And then coming back like this and being able to have Cassius, and I think actually the book ends on a pretty hopeful note. Um, we'll get into that more a little bit next week, but I've already read the the final chapters and Whoa. I like the way you it cheated. ends, especially with like Mustang's chapter and stuff. So this is like the turn here. We get around and through, we get through the hell that is dark age. And now we're coming out the other side, finally of the tunnel, which is new age <laughs> art deco <laughs> let's just pick a new time yeah. uh and hopefully we can um, start putting some wins on the board for darrow and the republic i think we're gonna put a lot of w's on the board for the good guys and we're going to kill a lot of the bad guys. Well, there's a lot more bad guys than good guys right now. So, so. lots of great deaths coming. <laughs> yeah. There has to be. I think there will be some pretty satisfying parts of the next book, hopefully. All right. That's our theme for today. Reunions. Brooding. <laughs> oh, gods. Oh, gods. <laughs> Hello, Goodman. <laughs> All right. That takes us to our next segment, which is Who Died Today? 
Well, Alexander uh, Arcos. I was thinking that really Alexander's the only major death in these chapters because mm-hmm. it was just so fucking mean it's on Pierce's so part. He's like, I couldn't kill anybody else, you know? He's like, I couldn't just go kill Screwface too and Thrax. So I think everybody would have just given up at that point. Pretty much a lot of people did kind of give up when Alexander got killed, it sounds like, just from what I've not give up, but I mean just like got fed up at that <laughs> give point. Give up. I kind of feel like making Rona live and not also die was meaner. Her reaction is heartbreaking. But don't you think it would be kinder of Pierce to have just also killed Rona? For, I mean... Let me let me put it to you this way. Would you have rather seen Rona die or Alex die in that situation? What if one of them had to die? Rona? <laughs> <laughs> It's awful. Kill the niece. Are we space racist? No, but, well, she's got bolts, okay? She's leaving her grubby little thumbprints on wine glasses. Oh, man, let me tell you about my grubby thumbprints. I am Corona unshowered. Let me tell you. I'm going to try to save all my shampoo. I'm glad that I'm podcasting six feet away from you right now. <laughs> hey, we are maintaining social distancing. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, so her reaction is just heartbreaking. She um, screams, falls into his blood. The they toughest, have to drag her away. The toughest thing for me with Alexander is that he had truly bought in. And, you know, like most golds, they're just looking for glory. Even the goals that kind of fight for Darrow, they're not always like of the purest intention. And a lot of times they're there to like write their own legacy or um, for their own glory. But Alexander like truly believed in the cause of the rising. He believed and he in the Republic. he also saved a ton of low colors yes. who then fucking try to kill Darrow. It's so fucking awful. Stop saving people, guys. Mercury is not your friend. Just let's nuke Mercury. We're not. And get out of town. Society have Mercury. I think. No, just let's let's nuke it. Let's baby nuke her. (laughs) Let's get rid of it. Now you're turning into Octavia. (laughs) I'm just saying Mercury sucks. We don't need it. We've got a lot of other planets. You know, we're gonna start exploring other solar systems might as well nuke mercury that's all i'm saying i just say just leave it to society and just let them just chill no we're killing society all of them anyways (laughs) that's who died today people there want to be slaves let them do it and let the society just have the planet (laughs) so that's who majorly died today Mm -hmm. we also lost a lot of heliopolitans when darrow raged on them and smashed them all. That was pretty dope. Mm -hmm. We also lost some howlers, unnamed ones. And then we also um, see the almost death of Thraxa, Screwface, Darrow, and Kalandora. They're all left pretty in bad shape. Yeah. I was like, Thraxa is just a beast. I love Thraxa. (laughs) So when she's in that hallway fighting, Lysander stabs her through the wall at one point, and then she smashes 
the hammer through the wall. Yeah. It's like, fuck you. She gets stabbed multiple times and she shot She gets stabbed times. a lot <laughs> yeah. and shot a lot. She, yeah. I think she's going harder than Kavak. <laughs> she's a tank, dude. <laughs> she's literally a tank. She's knocking over sunbloods. <laughs> yeah. Very scary person. Um, she's my hero. <laughs> All right. That's who died today. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the prime five. Which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Okay, so first item on the prime five list, the poet that Lysander quotes to Alex when he kills him is Percy Shelley. And then it's also based on a Greek poet named... We are so Latin. <laughs> it's Asuchlus or something like that. Um Anyway, the poem is like Prometheus bound, Prometheus unbound. I just thought it was interesting because we had talked about Frankenstein last week or Frankenfa, Percy Shelley, husband of Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. Oh, uh, so Frankenfa. That, that was an interesting connection. Also, there's a couple more lines to that passage that... Lysander says, so he says, ye labor for your fall with your own hands, I not by surprise, nor yet by stealth, but with clear eyes, knowing the thing ye do, ye walk into the yawning net, and then um, it stops at that point. And then the, the last two lines from that poem are that for the feet of it is set and ruin spreads for you. Ruin does spread for you because you're about to get shot in the <laughs> face. <laughs> Uh, but he was reading that book of poetry by Percy Shelley when Exeter came into his room or whatever. So that's why he quoted that to him. I just thought that was an interesting connection. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. Speaking of poems. And those poems are free online if you want to go look them up. Ooh, internet. Mm -hmm. So speaking of poems, uh, we also have another poem from Atlas. Did you know what this means? I was shocked and appalled. So in Latin, I won't say it, but when Darrow translate, he says, thief, for first thieving shall be swived. Do you know what swived means? No. That means to have sexual intercourse with. <laughs> so go keep Boned him. But an again arrested shalt be irumate. Irumate means insert penis violently into one's mouth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> You just did not break eye contact <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> and shouldst attempt to plunder time the third, this and that penalty shalt thou endure, being both pedicate. Pedicate means anal intercourse. Okay. And irumate, which was Once the again, penis in penis the mouth. Violently. Violent blowjob. <laughs> yes. So, so basically he's saying, <laughs> I'm going to fuck you up. So he said, first offense, you get fucked. Second offense, penis violently shoved into your mouth. Third offense, we're going to butt fuck you and shove our penis violently in your mouth. It's a real dirty poem. So basically, Atlas is telling Darrow, you're going to get fucked. <laughs> like every like which way. Like three times. Till Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And then Screwface says, I'm going to kill that man. And Darrow says, get in line. So let's talk about Atlas. Do we know? Is he still in prison? I did read on. Do you want me to tell you? Yes. When the EMP blast goes off, 
it shuts down all the electronics and the prison goes into lockdown. So there's a bunch of people trying to get to him, but they can't get to him. So he's still locked up. No, the Gorgons break him out. So he's not still locked up. When these chapters are going down, right. Daryl's army is trying to get to Atlas to kill him. Right. But they can't get in. And by that time, Atalantia's army shows up and the Gorgons free him. Okay. Yeah. So he's out. Well, that's too bad because they didn't even torture him. Yeah, he's hanging out with Lysander by the end of the book. Perfect. Yeah. That was a violent poem. Extremely. Like, God, not this guy is so fucked up. Yeah, pulls up butts. What do you think? I'm not getting that one tattooed on me. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading that. I was like, I don't know what any of those words mean. I'm just going to start Googling stuff. I was like, oh. Don't Google it. <laughs> yeah, I Do guess not I go to private browser. Go to <laughs> don't Google it at work. <laughs> That's for sure. I was like, I don't want this. Well, on I guess my since we're all working from home, might as well Google it from work. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next item on the Prime Five list. Um, I thought this was kind of a fun little moment. Uh, Thraxa she comments that Lysander is a good flyer, and Screwface says to thank Cassius. And at that moment, Daryl thinks to himself, "Is he here too? I pray not. If he's gone over, dot dot dot." dot, dot. dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, he hasn't gone over. He's going to save your ass. Yes, he is. And he is here. He's here for you. He is here. <laughs> I I didn't even catch that. Yep. Okay, next question. What happened to Rona and Calloway? Yeah, so, so this we is know a that debate. Rona gets dragged away toward the morning star to safety by a howler. Mm-hmm. But we, where is Calloway? He would be flying the Morning Star, technically, or like with the Morning Star. Okay. But here's the thing: the EMP was inside the Morning Star, so the EMP would have had to have shut destroyed down. it. Yeah, yeah, shut down the Morning Star. Like it wouldn't be able to fly. And Darrow was even telling his troops to blast through the Morning Star, blow it up to get to the EMP yeah. to destroy it. There, they obviously fail. And then the EMP goes off. So I'm assuming the EMP, obviously, it would destroy the Morning Star's ability to fly. So I don't think, like, Question. Callaway and Rona could escape. Are EMPs electromagnetic pulse? How is it forever? Like, it never works again? Or d- is it just like after a certain amount of time, you can then restart? I would think, I think it's. It's just, it doesn't work. Kaput. Okay. I'm just not, wondering. I'm not exactly I mean, is sure, it like, can you flip the breaker and then we come back online? I don't like Daryl's armor. He like couldn't get his armor back online. So I don't know. I think you yeah. probably could repair it after a, um, some time, but it would definitely take like. Take time. Take time and like repair work, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay. So yes, we never find out at the end of the book anything about Rona or Callaway or the Morning Star. Yeah. I mean, and by this time. Atalantia's forces are have invaded the entire planet. Like she's taken over the planet, so they're either there hiding or they're prisoner. I think. Okay. Well, a lot of Darrow's army did escape into the mountains while he held Lysander's force at bay. Right. So we do still have rising followers in the mountains. Yeah, and a common theory. I think that people talk about is 
Callaway piloting the Morningstar and possibly escaping that way, but this is the first time I've kind of thought about that not being, it's not going to be flying. No. Yeah. Unless somehow the EMP was only outside the Morningstar. Well, I think it was supposed to be like a focused EMP blast, but Glorastes, because he put that back door in, it made it a just a giant. Just ev- the whole planet. Right. The whole area. The whole area, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they're probably not alive. I would assume they're probably prisoner or should dead. Should we add them to our who died this week list? I'm assuming they're going to be prisoners that are being tortured by Fear Night. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, next up on the Prime 5, we have Lysander's description of Darrow from across the battlefield. And this then is great. also Darrow's quote before entering the fray. Well, yeah, we'll start with that one because I love this the reaper coming into himself you know it's just amazing every time so he says i shape my razor from its long form to the sling blade the dread monster rises in the belly of me laughter spews from between my teeth i would die for the truth that all men are created equal but in the kingdom of death amidst ramparts of bodies and wind all of screams there is a king and his name is not loon it is Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> so badass. Daryl, what a poet. Uh, okay. And then, as we know, like we've talked about this before, Lysander is really good at describing stuff. <laughs> well, he's got the mind's eye. He's very uh, conscious of his surroundings. And I love when he um, describes Darrow in this moment. And he says... Then I spot the signs of his advance from the far side of the Triumphia. It is like the coming of a tiger through tall grass, first a rippling in the distance that seems like the wind, then a tunneling force, an outward swaying of riders, the starting of horses, men disappear from saddles, sunbloods collapse sideways with horrible wounds, and then, like the tiger's tail, the curved sling blade rises above the stalks as he threshes all in his path. He kills with impossible Ingression. Have you ever seen uh, Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World? Yes. Do you know the part in the tall grass with the raptors? Like The tails. They're like hunting the group. And the, and the grass, tall like grass. you can see it moving. That's what that reminds me of. And then they jump up like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that you told me that velociraptors aren't that big? Oh, yeah. They're turkey-sized. That was such a disappointing <laughs> fact to learn. <laughs> Those raptors are still based on raptors. They're just not called velociraptors. They're called Utah raptors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you could have told me that before I was disappointed. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of tigers, if you guys haven't started watching Tiger King, it's pretty fucking <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Another musing that I have before we move on past our prime Please, five. Please, go ahead. Is, don't you think that if Darrow and Mustang could have traded places that Mustang would have fucked up these sunblood. She would have jumped on one and just mastered all the horses. <laughs> and then Darrow in the fight that Mustang was in would have just destroyed everybody, <laughs> the entire mob. Yeah. I don't know if Daxo couldn't do it. Uh, do you think Darrow could? Darrow is Daxo is a force. But I think Darrow has even more speed and aggression. Right. Like, Daxo's probably stronger, but 
I think Daryl goes a little crazy because he's got that red passion. For sure. So I think if Darrow and Daxo were together, obviously they would have overwhelmed the mob and they would have been all terrified to approach them. And then Mustang could have owned these Sunbloods. <laughs> so I was just thinking if they could have had their battles reversed, <laughs> we would be in a different position. <laughs> and that whole like uh, charge with Lysander, Mustang could have done some sick trick riding and like flipped around. I mean, who knows? <laughs> like it all the sunbloods would have started paying attention to mustang they'd be like she's our leader yeah they would have bucked all their riders they would have bit their heads off (laughs) i like it all right let's move on to the primus of the week this is where we choose the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest our primus of the week is cassius oh (laughs) it's lysander aloon Because he is racist. <laughs> Not why he won Primus, but he pretty much did, you know, win the entire planet of Mercury back. He won the planet. He killed everybody. He didn't get stabbed in the chest. Kind of defeated Darrow in single combat. He did, though, break his arm. And he's shaking and chattering. He also shattered Darrow's razor. But he's not in a good place. Anyways... In terms of like who is dying more, I'd say Darrow's dying more <laughs> at this point. And Lysander isn't stabbed. That's going to go a long way for the legend of Lysander, though, and breaking kind of the cult around Darrow. Do you wonder, does Lysander know that Cassius saved Darrow? Yes, because he sees him fly off. He does. Ooh, burn. Cassius is wearing his morning night armor. Speaking of... Hanging out the back of the ship, and they, like... Make eye contact. Speaking of bad blood... he, like, waves at him, and he's like... (laughs) (laughs) Gives him a finger. (laughs) He gives him a big finger, and he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. That's what Cassius says. He gets his button on his... (laughs) (laughs) Dick pops out. (laughs) His his pee his pee hole button on his armor and he pees on Lysander. That's what happens, guys. No need to read on. We made up the end of the story. No need to keep reading. Okay, so Lysander won the week. He's not winning ever in book six. I hope not. All right, let's move on to the Howler voicemail. Let's do it. If you'd like to leave a voicemail, you can call one 800 516 15 Four zero, leave a question, explain a theory. You've got one episode left. If you're planning to leave that voicemail, but you're like, I'm too scared. Now's the time. Hey, don't fret. Cassius is here. <laughs> he can hold your hand. And we can get through this together. All right. Our first voicemail is from Katiana. And she kind of has a question about what we were just talking about a little bit. Ago. Perfect. So this would be cool. Hey, Halipod. This is Katiana. Uh, Big fan of your podcast, probably the only one that I listen to on the regular. Uh, I had a bunch of questions, actually, that I wanted to bring up, but I have chosen the top two so I don't waste all your time. Um, so my first one is whether you think that Lysander or Lysander or Mustang are smarter. Um, like, if they were in a room together, who would outwit who? I guess because it seems like Lysander has had so much training from Octavia 
Um, but Mustang also just has like this natural ability to read people and situations um, that I'm not actually sure that if they were the same age, uh, Mustang would be the winner. And then my other question would be, and I think Ben, I know what your answer for this one is, um, which character do you admire the most and why? Um, I think like one of the cool things about the series is that the lines between like being just good and just evil are kind of blurred, um, but there are definitely some characters that hand out above others, Alexander, <coughs> So anyways, yeah, excited to hear what you guys think. Bye. Thanks, Katiana. What an excellent voicemail. Thank you. <laughs> well done, Howler. <laughs> Succinct, persuasive. And great questions. Um, okay, let's go with the first one. Who's smarter, Lysander or Mustang? Mustang, obviously. Shut up. <laughs> oh, man, this is tough. I think smart and clever, I would say... Who who do you think could like outwit that's the thing is each like each other. Mustang's so good at like extrapolating forward and mm. data using data. Yeah, she can like see people's moves like fifteen moves ahead. But Lysander is also really good at that, and he's also good at using that against you. You know, so he's probably more conniving than Mustang. That's what I think too. Is like, like Mustang's more pure. Yeah, I think he might be able to get the better of her just because he's willing to be a little dirtier. But she's conniving too. She's she's real sneaky with Abominadrius. That's true. She's like, come trust me. It would be a hell of a matchup. Yeah. What if Lysander wasn't such a pixie bitch and he decided to be on Mustang's side? They would make a great team. Just because I haven't seen it yet, I think like, I think it's it would I would have to say Lysander just because. I don't know. He really hasn't been beat yet. You're clearly rooting for the wrong team. I'm not rooting for <laughs> I'm definitely on Team Mustang. You know that. Okay, good. Um, you know, I would be worried. Mustang's not at her best right now, but I think at her best and Lysander's also she not. She could at get him. She could get him. I think it'd be a very even match. Yeah. And circumstantially, whoever had a slight upper hand because of maybe some external components would just win because they're so evenly matched. Right. If they were like battling 10 times, like the winner would win six out of 10, you know, like it would be that type of thing or, or five to five, like nine out of 10. <laughs> it would just be really close. Mustang would win. Okay. okay. Uh, her next question was, which character do you admire the most and why? And she knew mine was Mustang. No, she knew mine was Cassius. No. <laughs> <laughs> I admire a lot of the characters for a lot of different reasons. I'm I'm definitely a <laughs> I almost said protagonist fucker, which is not what I mean. <laughs> but like I'm definitely like always team protagonist. So like Daryl for sure is probably my favorite a hundred percent. But like close second is Mustang. Close third is Severo for me. And, you know, Cassius for me is probably not. Why Why do you admire Darrow? Not till six. Um, I admire Darrow because of his internal struggle and continually picking the right choice, even though a lot of times it's the hard choice. I think a lot of us can, you know, take a lesson from that and like not always go with the easy route, but to 
you know, make good choices. (laughs) And also Darrow, um, he's just, he has so many layers. He's like an onion. He's like Shrek. You know, he's not only a red, he's also a gold. He's like in both of these worlds and he's of both of these worlds. And then he has all that internal struggle with that as well as his internal struggle with family and war. And he's just a very dynamic character and I love reading him. So if I wasn't going to say Cassius, I would probably say a couple other characters. One would be Alexander. Uh, just kind of for what we were talking about there, like his purity of belief and how much he buys into um, a dream and how much he believes in it. The next would be my man Ragnar. Ragnar. I love his transformation from being seen as this animal to him being like, no, I'm a man and uh, I'm a human being. And I just love his transformation over those two books and how at the end his whole message is, you know, um, we should come together and not fight, basically. You know, he's trying to tell his sister, like, to bring their people together. He doesn't need to die a warrior. And I just think that's just incredible transformation. And don't forget, of course, the most important character, Tongueless. <laughs> Do you admire him for his silence? Yes. <laughs> no, what I admire him for is his kindness towards puppies. <laughs> and that's it. I thought you were going to say Period. his like, gestures skills or something. <laughs> that's just that's just comes with the territory. <laughs> All right. Great voicemail. Thank you, Katiana. She didn't tell us her favorite. Yeah, you have to call back now and tell us who you admire and why. Thank you. Next voicemail is from... What did I write down there? Patrick from North Carolina. Patrick from North Carolina. Hey, HowlerPod. This is Patrick from North Carolina again. So excited that I actually heard my voicemail on the, uh, the podcast. Seriously, what a great idea you guys came up with doing this. A um, couple quick things. I've been listening to a bunch of new like rock songs trying to get Darrow's perfect song, and I know everybody's sending in their ideas, but I found one that I honestly think is the perfect song for Darrow and everything that he's about. Look it up. Maybe even play it on the podcast. I think people will agree. It's called Burn It Down by Skillet. It's um, technically in the genre of metal, but it, it's not anything too intense, but it's all about burning down the system, kind of motivated by people that are oppressed and slaves and everything like that. Give it a listen. Totally think it's Darrow. My main question for you guys today is um, I've been rereading the whole series like back and forth. Now I'm back on Red Rising now that I've finished Dark Age. And obviously Pierce Brown has improved his writing so much um, throughout the course of the series since Red Rising was his first book. And what I've kind of noticed is that the descriptions of the planet themselves have gotten a lot better. So Dark Age, we spend a lot of time on Mercury, and I kind of get the whole uh, vision that he's kind of putting down. Of It's kind of like a mix of a bit of ancient Rome um, with the, the city of Heliopolis, but also when you're out in the desert and the mountains, it's kind of like the Middle East in, in the sense that, like, you know, the U.S. Army's war in the Middle East, you kind of get the guerrilla warfare in the mountains and everything. So it's kind of a mix between the Middle East and and Italian type of architecture in the cities. But I'm curious as to what you guys kind of envisioned the gist of Mars kind of to be. We kind of get the 
the the forest elements with Lyria and Victra and Volga, but in Red Rising, obviously, we only spend the most of the time in the Institute. So, what do you kind of, what do you guys kind of vision Mars as? Kind of put like a overarching um, imagery behind it, with Mercury being very specific and even Venus being kind of tropical. Um, thanks again, guys. You guys are awesome. Howler out. Thanks, Patrick. Hey, thanks, Patrick. Thank you for the kind words. How's North Carolina? <laughs> we're going to play uh, Patrick suggested Burn It Down by Skillet. Skillet. As a, as a song for Daryl. So I'm going to drop that in right here. I think the lyrics fit. It is very rage, <laughs> red, go blood red crazy. That's what that is. We're going to have to go back and make a Darrow theme song playlist once, once all these episodes are done. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> very ragey. I like it. I like and then one. Patrick also said that the planets get better description as we go mm-hmm. i didn't even notice to be honest so great observation did you notice ben um i didn't n- think about it but as patrick said it, i was like yeah it makes a lot of sense it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. i didn't even think about venus being tropical but then i was like oh yeah we're like in hawaii mm-hmm. on the beaches. islands beaches of normandy <laughs> uh <laughs> what did you imagine mars being like Mars, so my description of Mars that I go off of is when Darrow first sees Mars in Red Rising. So that's kind of what I always think of as Mars. And then also the Institute, obviously, is basically like the Grand Canyon. I think of the geography a lot of of like the American West and the Rockies, especially Mm -hmm. like with the mountains and then this kind of evergreen forests and that kind of thing. I know Pierce spends a lot of time. His family lives in Colorado. He spent a lot of time in the Pacific Northwest. So I feel like that area of the country is kind of, that's what I picture as Mars. I also think of actual Mars, which does have a lot of craters and mountains. That's why I said, I think of the Institute as the Grand Canyon, but like bigger, deeper, because they're like in it. They can't get out. And then there's obviously the floating island above it. But um, I I think of it, but even within the Institute, they have different climate zones. Yeah. So it's it's 
not just one place to me. Mars is like every place. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it was much more like Rockies, kind of Pacific Northwest vibes is how I always thought about it. But that's a good question. I like that one. Thank you, Patrick. And then Mercury clearly is hell. (laughs) Just hell. As we've discussed, Mercury sucks. We hate Mercury. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for calling in. Great song suggestion. And uh, that's a great point. I never even pictured like how the planets have better descriptions i love that and i would totally agree that pierce's writing just continues to get better and better it's really cool to see better and more murdery (laughs) okay that's it for the howler voicemail as we said if you want to leave a voicemail you're running out of time you can call 1-800-516-1540 we have some plans for the final episode that we'll get into later but don't be discouraged leave that voicemail now's your time you're quarantined at home. What else you got to do? One last time. <laughs> All right. Let's do a Howler mailbag. Let's do it. Maggie. This, this one's from Maggie. This What's up, like, Maggie? It's like the smartest me- email we ever have received. So I was like. <laughs> Maggie, you're smart. <laughs> I was like, Maggie, this is so smart. Um, she says, greetings, Howlers. Oh, she sounds smart already. I know. Greetings. Greetings. I'm already like, uh. <laughs> All right. She says, thanks for putting together a Howler Pod for fans of Red Rising, written by Howler One. Pierce is obviously a fan of classic literature, an admitted understatement, she says. I would agree. Um, looking at the latest trilogy, Apple directly quotes Paradise Lost multiple times in his cell on the Nessus. Solitude can be the best society is almost a direct quote from Paradise Lost, and the mind is its own place, etc. is a direct quote. Next, the scene with Apple giving a speech to his fallen comrades on the water is extremely similar to the opening book of Paradise Lost as Satan encouraged his devil his devils to rise up around a lake of fire. I think we did talk about that. Uh, I think of this book as Darrow's fall from grace after letting the fall rain on Mercury. I like that. Uh, she says, along those same lines, the latest trilogy opens in Meteor Ray of a 10-year war similar to the Iliad. Dark Age is the Iliad as a major major battle is fought based on the whims of parentheses storm gods or gods. Uh, the battle is lost as a Trojan horse, Lysander in the situation, is able to infiltrate the last stronghold, Heliopolis, uh, which leads me to a prediction on the final book in the trilogy. It will either be based on Darrow's odyssey to get back to Mars, which uh, would admittedly be awesome. This could end up with Darrow as Odysseus ridding the suitors of Mars uh, with the help of his son, Pax. Um, and she has, there's some connections to the Odyssey with that. But another option would be the Aenid, Virgil's epic of how Aeneas escapes Troy to found a new civilization that becomes Rome. This is my theory about the last book. What do you think? I like the idea of Darrow being Odysseus on an Odyssey back to Mars. That all sounds great because it sounds like Maggie has Darrow living happily ever after in the end (laughs) i am on board thank you maggie team maggie right here um i love the idea of pax and darrow uh basically winning together taking it as father and son and i haven't read the iliad um but sounds good to me You're buying it. I'm I'm definitely picking up what she's putting down. Good. This reminds me of our conversation with Pierce, where Pierce is like spewing <laughs> historical facts. And I'm just I don't I didn't 
I don't know. I didn't pay attention in history. <laughs> and Ben's like nodding along and participating in the conversation. And I'm just like, no idea what you're talking about. So thanks, Maggie, for being on Ben's historical level. You guys can geek out together. I clearly need to go back to school. Okay. If you quote like Hercules from the Disney movie, <laughs> I'm totally there. More your flow. I got you. That's a good movie. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, I agree, Maggie. You're right. Darrow's definitely going to conquer Mars with Pax and live happily ever after. You're the smartest. I thought that was some good um, some good deep dive into Pierce's mindset. And he does seem to base a lot of stuff about his historical research. So um, I think and that's a admittedly good Admittedly so. He yeah. talks about it. Yeah, for sure. So thank you, Maggie. If you have any other... Uh, theories like that that you want to send in to us. Hey, Maggie, do. since you're in the know, you should be on the lookout for Pierce's posts when he posts what books he's reading because mm. that could give us an insight yes. into what book six turns out to be. His Instagram story is full of that stuff. And I, I fully 100% think that he already has written out the outline for the end of book six and he knows what's going to happen. But he could be influenced by these books that he's posting. That's true. So, we'll see. All right, you know what it's time for? What are we into this week? Aaron, what are you into this week? So, because of COVID-19, I decided to do a rewatch. The time of Corona. The time of Corona. I started rewatching The Last Man on Earth, which is a show that... <laughs> Starts in the year 2020, quote, after the virus. Wow. It's very poetic. I would have turned it off at that point. <laughs> no, I, it like has the caption, 2020, one year after the virus. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's a comedy. It's on Hulu. And then you can also like purchase it on Amazon Prime and stuff. It stars Will Forte. And he's super awkward, like to the point of, being extremely hard to watch and uncomfortable. Um, but he's basically the last man on earth and it's about his journey in finding um, a few other people left on earth after this virus basically wiped everyone out very quickly. Isn't January Jones in that too? January Jones is so hot. She is so hot. She is who <laughs> I picture Mustang to be. Oh gosh. You, yeah. Yeah. I'm in for that. January Jones, most beautiful woman <laughs> in the world. <laughs> You know, in the galaxy, probably. We don't know, but <laughs> so hot. Anyways, Will Forte, not so much. He has a crush on her, obviously. So it's a great show. It's hilarious. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. The Last Man on Earth. Very uh, relevant in these times <laughs> that we live in. It's a good rewatch. Ben, what are you into this week? I'm into a book called Dr. Sleep by Stephen King. Uh I probably recommended Stephen King's stories before. I love him as a writer. This is the book, not the movie. I've seen the movie too. It's pretty good. Uh, but this is a sequel to The Shining, and it's really good. Oh, I kind of saw this, but I hate scary movies, so I ignored it. Yeah. The story picks up with Danny Torrance, who is the kid in The Shining. He's like 10 or whatever, six. He might be like six years old in The Shining. I don't know. He's pretty young. Picks up with him as an adult and kind of goes on with, the rest of his life and 
there's another kid that he meets that has the shining and they deal with some scary monster people together. I don't want to mm. ruin the, the the book. So Okay. But, but it's really good. I really love the original Shining the book. If you haven't read it, it's really good. It's actually a lot different than the movie. So if you've seen the movie but haven't read the book, they're very different. Um and this is a sequel to that book, not necessarily the movie. So Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Shining was a book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sounds scary. It is. So that's Dr. Sleep and Last Man on Earth. All right, Aaron, what's coming up next week on Howler Pod? Uh, still part four. Chapters 87 to 92, the final Dark Age pod. And we are going to blow this one out for you guys. It's going to be a mega pod. We're going to get a blowout, but not from a salon because <laughs> the salons are closed. We're going to be going long. If you've got a question, an email, a voicemail to leave, do it this week. We're going to make this an extra long pod um, to really just finale this bitch up. Also, what the fuck else are we doing? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> It's not like we have social lives anymore. So. It's not like I've been quarantined for two weeks. <laughs> not losing my mind. It's cool. Thanks, Pierce, for keeping me company. Yeah, so we're going to go extra deep, extra long. So that sounded really bad. <laughs> Sounds like a, a poem by the Fear Knight. Yeah. We're going to break out the flesh chain. Oh, God. <laughs> not the flesh chain. Dude, I think Pierce was going through something. <laughs> When he wrote this book. I still cannot get over Master of the Flesh Chain. Master. How could you write that and be like a serious person? You know, like Maybe he was high? <laughs> Probably. We gotta ask him about that sometime. Hey, how about that? Ma- Maybe that's his porn name. <laughs> you know how you pick like the street you were born on or whatever? Maybe Master of the Flesh Chain is what he chose. Okay. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Hey, what else are you doing? Buy some merch. You know, get online. Visit us at howlerpod.com. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us wherever, whatever. Don't come over. <laughs> Leave a voicemail, 1-800-516-1540. And uh, find links to all that on howlerpod.com. Tell a friend about the podcast, but first make sure they read the books. I just told someone today to read the books. She hadn't heard of them, but she loved Hunger Games. So I was like, bitch, read these books. And I hope she does. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, I'm going to take we last and fucking knock you off your horse. Lysander. So just give us five stars. Do it. All right. Thanks, Alice. Omnisphere lupus. Ah. Oh.